Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Fury confirms his dumbbell switch. Um, yeah, never done it like this before, but I'm really looking forward to rocking up as a, as a driver rather than a team owner. Kelly's are happy with Nissan's pace. Everything went really well the first hour or so. We just worked through um, you know, the initial electrical things and bits and pieces we had to, uh, I guess, sort out and make sure everything was working well. Bride is fastest at the park. At the moment, Brad Jones looks like they're the, they're the benchmark. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max Crew for Performance Racing and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Jason Bright was the fastest in a day of mixed weather testing at Sydney Motorsport Park. The BOC Gases car fastest in both the morning and afternoon sessions. The crowd flocked to see the new generation V8 supercars with over 17,500 people on hand to check out what the new manufacturer's cars would look like, many fascinated by the sound of the AMG Erebus cars. The Nissan squad was pleased with their outing, although the team had two cars left in Melbourne. Rick Kelly showed that the year of tough graft has paid off with his car in the top ten for most of the day. An hour and a half into the day, we, we ran our first set of tyres, and at that point it took it straight to uh, you know the top three, which is very exciting. And um, from there we maintained um, you know top four till lunchtime. So. Everyone's not necessarily trying to go fast, but working through their programs. But for us, and so are we, so for us to show that amount of speed up front, I think is very promising. And now we just need to learn a little bit more about the car, and um, and you know that will give us you know really good confidence heading to Clipsal. German Marco Engel was the fastest of the AMGs in 14th place, while FPR drivers David Reynolds and Mark Winterbottom made it into the top 10 for Ford. Dean Fury talked to the V8 Insiders about his move back to Holden and Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport. It's good so far and it's exciting for, for Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport with their close tie with Triple Eight. I mean, they're the benchmark in the competition, so to have any sort of link with them is, is a good thing. The new driver at Dick Johnson Racing, Tim Blanchard, was at the wheel of the number 12 machine. He spoke about getting his call up. Uh, yeah, pretty good. No, no real issues, just shaking down the car, getting a getting through all the bugs in the car and um yeah so we'll have a proper run this afternoon hopefully what do you think about having to have double file restart practice uh yeah that's gonna be interesting so uh don't know still kind of getting my head around it but yeah i'm not, not sure if it's really a good thing i'll kind of cause it will be entertaining anyway it is now looking less and less likely that stephen johnson will be at the wheel of the number 17 car with rumors at sydney suggesting that he might be the second co-driver at hrt Carl Reindler is now the favourite for the drive in a fair dinkum shed backed entry.
Another rookie, Scott McLaughlin, was in high spirits in the Fujitsu car on Saturday. I've got to keep clenching myself all the time, you know, it's, it's full on, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited and, you know, it's uh, something I've been working towards for a very long time, so to, to finally live it and live the dream, it's uh, awesome. Unfortunately, the defending New Zealand Super Touring champion had a first slash crash at Hamptons Down in New Zealand, which has impacted the start of his title defence. McLaughlin's teammate Alex Premer, who was happy to be returning to the series and now with a year of experience under his belt on the Australian tracks, he's confident he'll be towards the front in the new cars. Michael Caruso spent the day in Sydney watching the team work on the new Nissans, so we asked him how it felt to be at the track without a car. Oh, look, it's, uh, I guess it's part of the plan and, and ultimately the plan is to, to do the best job we can at Clipsal. So um, we decided to have two cars here and, uh, and obviously myself and Todd with our two new cars at, uh, at Winton on Wednesday. So. Robbo is our guest on next week's Fujitsu White Flag Lab. On this week's White Flag Lab, we hear from Charlie Swerkholt who saw his own car return to the track last weekend. It's been two years in the making and, and uh, it will come together finally, which is great. Really excited. And that's the news brought to you by No Brack Carbon Fibre Products. Check out their entire range today at www.nobrac.com.au. After the break, Adrian Mussolino and Tom Worsley will join me. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from V8X Magazine, it's Adrian Mussolino. Good evening, Adrian. Hey, Craig, how are you? I'm very well, as I'm sure is Tom Worsley from Tom Worsley Media. It's great to have you back on the show, Tom. And it's great to be back, Craig. It's been an interesting weekend at the test day, and 17,500 people, Tom, it was a fantastic test day crowd. And, uh, of course, brand new cars, everything was uh, new why wouldn't you want to come out for free to watch the V8s go around? That's right. The the test day formula has proven itself over the last two years, but I think that this year's been the, the most successful of the three that they've held, uh, possibly because there was there were new cars been coming into the series, um, and the, the the price is definitely a factor. My only criticism is why not use the day to uh, to raise a bit of money for charity as well? Mm. Adrian, do you think it's the $0 price tag that is what gets people in the door? Uh, it definitely helps when you don't have to pay. It's a good encouragement to get out there and it definitely shows that there's an interest out there to go to Sydney Motorsport Park. I think, though, you know, undoubtedly the interest of this year with the new cars, the new Mercedes and the Nissan and... Red Bull coming in. We had all the launches leading into the test day, so there were so many stories, so much media attention. 
going on. It was sort of, you know, perfect time, um, two weeks before the season starts. All the ingredients are there. I think the group walk as well really contributes to the fact that the fans know that they can get up close and personal the cars, meet the drivers. Um, it's a formula that definitely works and, you know, maybe it should be sort of rotated around the country as best as possible. Mm. Of course, I, I had friends uh, come with me. They were from France, never seen V8 supercars before, but the fact that Alex Premer was there, they got to speak to a Frenchman who's racing in the series and they couldn't believe when you could walk out onto the track and literally touch the cars, Tom, and that's something that we still have here in Australia that you don't see in a lot of other FAA-sanctioned series. I know a lot of people complain about you know, not being able to get up close and, and personal with V8 supercars, but when you look at categories like Formula 1 and, and particularly a lot of people I speak to about NASCAR, they think the V8 supercars is the most accessible major category in the world. So I think we're pretty blessed in Australia. Mm. Of course, uh, we've certainly got that entrenched in our psyche because the IndyCar guys were so good for so many years. And it's uh, going to be interesting to see just how much this series can get in the way of uh, in the way of publicity when it does go to Austin. Obviously, if they're using that very open approach, it's going to win a lot of American race fans over as well. One guy that has already won over a lot of U.S. race fans from his time when he was racing over in the United States was Jason Bright. He was also the fastest throughout the day. Fantastic for Brad Jones's operation, Adrian, to be able to get that car out of the box quick. But was there a little bit of sandbagging involved up and down pit lane? It's really hard to tell, but it was definitely a good start for Brad Jones, considering that it was the first time they'd run the VF model. Um, great fun, you know, one clue as well with cool titles up there. David Wall was up in the top ten, I think. So they were definitely in the mix. You know, it's very difficult to tell though the exact pecking order because we just don't know who was running what programs, what tyres, um, what they were running through throughout the day. So um, we'll have to wait to see. I think Brad Jones could be in the mix, but it's too early to tell at the moment. Mm. Tyres was an interesting one, wasn't it, Tom? Because a lot of people I spoke to at that lunchtime break were saying, oh, we haven't thrown any tyres on the car yet. Uh, Yeah, it was one of the the interesting topics of the day, Um, possibly something to do with the the new 18-inch tyre. Mm. That was one of the in, one of the more interesting things after the uh, halftime break and the people left the track. Uh, the wet track we saw really only two people out there seriously giving it a go, and and of course who were they? Shane Van Gisbergen and Craig Lowndes. And how important is that when we think about long range weather forecasts for Adelaide and Tasmania? If you've got wet track experience with this brand new car, Adrian, it could turn out to be vital. Yeah, it was an interesting one because the rain was coming down quite heavy at the time and we were all speculating who was going to go out and run. Now, you know, ideally you'd want wet weather testing and to understand how the new tyre brake package works in the, in the damp, but the fact was that, you know, so many of these teams, it's their very first car futures. There's not many spares going around, so you didn't want to risk putting one in the wall, especially with clips was two weeks away. So... It was a bit of a sort of juggling act there. 
Um, no surprise to see Van Gisbergen and Mounds go out over there, the, the rainmasters in the series at the moment. Um, but you're right, you know, Adelaide's thrown some wet weather over the years, Tasmania, Albert Park's mixed in there as well. Then we go to New Zealand, so wouldn't surprise me if we get a wet race within that sort of first four events of the year. Tom, what did you think when it was raining? Did you think we'd see any cars on the track? Uh, I didn't think there'd be many that go out, but I'm not surprised at the two who were. What about uh, some of the other... Like, I didn't get a chance. I was looking for Fitzy to see, did they all have wet weather tyres? Because, as you said, Adrian, it's a brand new package. Do we have enough wet weather tyres for everyone to have gone out? Or do you think it was really just they wanted to be that careful because two weeks away they couldn't afford any uh, major offs? I think so. You've got to remember as well, you know, Pittsville doesn't get going for their supercars until the Friday of the event, but they need to be in Adelaide, heading over to Adelaide, you know, the Wednesday to be ready for the Thursday. So it's such a tight turnaround. A lot of these teams are, you know, still working day and night to get their spares in, in Richard going. You've got to remember as well that um, coming up, we've got Tasmania and New Zealand back to back. So there's a real string of events in this first part of the season that they need to be ready for. So there's still a lot of work to be going, so you don't want to risk any sort of damage, especially when there's no championship points on the line. It's sort of a different matter. Mm. Now, of course, Tom, we saw only one Dick Johnson racing car at the track and uh, Tim Blanchard at the wheel. Uh, there was a lot of talk about that and a lot of speculation about who might be in that number 17 car come Adelaide. And as far as I know, that speculation still continues. I'm hearing a couple of different names being put forward that uh, we going back to looking and analysing the results, it's probably the only the only result you could have predicted with Dick Johnson Racing being at the, the back of the field given the, the lead-up to the test that they've had. Mm. And, of course, uh, Tim didn't get a huge number of laps either, so that's going to make it tough for him. And I yeah. did see a couple of comments on, on Twitter this week saying that if, if the 105% rule applied, I'm not sure if... Tim Blanchard would have made the cut. Mm. Of course, one of the big rumours that was doing the rounds, uh, Adrian, was the future of Stephen Johnson. And uh, the speculation in pit lane was that uh, he might be actually not just moving into another car, but into the uh, opposition camp, if you believe the speculation. Yeah, there's so much speculation around DJ at the moment. Um, Basically, the situation is the number 17, the issues of funding mean we don't know who's going to be in that car. If there's enough funding, Stephen Johnson will get that drive. You know, he's had it for what, you know, since the late 90s now, since his dad retired. And if not, then they will need to go to a driver. You think of someone like a Carl Ryan or a Steve Owen who are still on the market. Reiner obviously has Virgin Shed's connections there, so that could possibly be an option. But the rumour that was going around, and you know, I didn't start this um, in case Steve would detail this thing, um, that you know, Steve could end up as a co-driver at a prominent team like HRT, um, was doing the rounds. I don't know if I believe it. I, I think Steve has shown that he's loyal to the DJR team, family run. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You know, Not long now to Pipsal. 
Um, there should be an announcement in the next week, but still, it all depends on funding. Mm. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I am Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu GRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me this week, Tom Worsley and Adrian Mussolino from V8X Magazine. It is going to print very, very soon, Adrian. And, uh, well, it should be an interesting one with Clipsal right on our doorstep. Yeah, it'll, the new issue will be out the Wednesday before Clipsal, so just in time for the new season. And definitely lots of writer books from manufacturers and new team bosses, new teams, new title sponsors come in, there's so much to write but um, yeah, look out for it on Wednesday, there's a few sort of extras in there for punters as well, so yeah, lots of exciting developments coming from VRX Well Tom, another development is uh, the sound of that AMG car from Erebus and uh, we were talking rumours right before the break, one of the rumours I heard, I don't know if you heard this one as well, but and, and, of course, when you get to the racetrack, there's a lot of crazy things being said. I will preface it that. But some of the talk from other garages was the engine might be a bit bigger than the five litres that uh, we are experienced with in V8 supercars. Uh, you have to love the rumour mill. And I think that V8 supercars would be very, very quick to get on top of that if that was the case. So... Uh, you know, I know that Mercedes is renowned for slightly bigger engines, but I'd say that going into V8 supercars, they would have been very careful to make sure it, it met the regula- regulations. The big thing, Adrian, is that they're doing parity testing this week, so even though there was drivers and, and crews talking about engine sizes, we're going to know this week uh, once the parity testing results are released. Well, it has to be sorted before Crystal before they go racing and this is the week where the two new engines will get homologated and any sort of faster parity issues we sorted. There are definitely concerns. This is always going to be the big test of that supercars over engine setting. Aero is one thing, but engines are very different, especially when you're talking about different engine technologies. So it's going to be an interesting lead in the Clipsal because that's definitely going to be the main talking point. Um, the, the thing with the Mercedes was it didn't come out and sort of set the quickest times and it got more of a, attention for its engine noise than the actual speed of it. So it's a wait and see. I hope that the Supercars is able to satisfy everyone and make sure that we've got an even playing field for all. Mm. Of course, Tom, one thing that everyone was talking about was the look of these new cars and I'd like to get both of your reactions to what you thought these cars looked like. The Merc is just stunning, in my opinion. I've Anyone who knows me knows I'm a big fan of Mercedes design, but I think the, the Erebus cars 
looks fantastic. And uh, the I think the Norton have won me over more so than the Jack Daniels ones, just because of that beautiful yellow, black and white colour scheme they've got. It was interesting to see some of the new designs on the new shapes, Adrian. Yeah, it was very interesting. I thought the the Nissan Altima looked, you know, what we expect from a V8 supercar. Um, reminded me a lot of the Commodore, but um, I think it's definitely unique when, when you look up at it up close and personal. The Merc is something else. It does remind me of a sort of mid-90s DTM car, um, especially sort of rear wing and um, just the way it looks. And um, we sort of should have expected something special considering it's a Mercedes and um, but I think it would definitely stand out in terms of noise and look that's for sure. Mm. Now of course guys the uh, other interesting thing was we use this as a gauge for Clipsal but you never really know tyres are an issue drivers may be being told not to use the revs they need to use or to do work in sectors as opposed to full laps so do we really learn anything for Clipsal, Tom? Uh, definitely not. I think the first true reflection of speed and who's who's at what level is going to be qualifying for that first race in Adelaide. It, it, there's not a lot you can take out of testing at Eastern Creek and even practice at, at Adelaide because everyone's going to be trying different things and on different programs at different times. So... Uh, Bring on, bring on qualifying, <laughs> Adrian. Uh, I think what we definitely did learn was that the car of the future is undoubtedly going to be a lot quicker than its predecessor. Um, it was quicker on a day when you know rain intervened and there wasn't much running and teams were running um, shakedown programs and things like that. So it'll definitely be quicker. Whether it's a better racing car in terms of the actual racing quality, we have to wait and see. In terms of the actual cars themselves, I think it's going to be a bit more spectacular. You know, just looking at the fan reaction of when a Merc went past or when the Nissan walked past, now that manufactured difference in the series, and I think that'll get a lot of attention. And um, that'll be really interesting to gauge throughout the year. And it's interesting how, Tom, that the fans are willing to accept that these things are, let's say, 85% the same underneath the skin, and they're quite happy to see a different body and a different engine, and that's good enough for them to make it a different car. Oh, definitely. I think you're still going to have uh, some of the traditionalists out there that are of the mindset that V8 supercars is a Holden versus Ford battle, and that's it. But uh, I was actually amazed at how many people were walking around in Nissan shirts, and there was a lot of Mercedes shirts walking around the paddock on on Saturday as well. So I think there is a general level of acceptance. Mm. And do you think by maybe halfway through the year we're going to be seeing a a rivaling of fan bases, certainly to Ford, because I don't think the other three combined will equal the Holden support? Uh, It's interesting. I think what's going to happen this season is you're going to get a lot of F1 sets, the ones I like to call Eurosports, who only follow European major sports but ignore what's happening in their backyard. And the fact that you've got a Mercedes and a Red Bull on the V8 grid, I think you're going to have a lot more F1 fans 
paying a bit more attention to their supercars this year. So that'll bring in the Merck and other fan bases that aren't, you know, Polden or Ford traditional bases. Mm. So I think that'll be interesting to watch. Um, Holden's definitely going to be up there, and I've just got the numbers, the advantage there. So uh, Ford fans will rally around FPR and DJR, but I think you will see more Nissan and Mercedes fans, you know, coming out from under the rocks that they've been hiding over the last 20 years. I think it's already, you can see the momentum swung from, you know, V8 fans not being fans of the changes and wanting a return to Holden versus Ford only to fans embracing that this is a new era and enjoying the difference that the new manufacturers bring. Mm, Of course, it's... Tom? And not just that, I think you're also going to see, particularly at the development series rounds, a lot of... um, traditionally motorcycle-based bands for the Casey Stoner Factor. Well, that was an interesting one, wasn't it, Adrian? Because the Casey Stoner Factor was zero at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. He wasn't there. He's in New Zealand fishing. No, and he wasn't at the Red Bull launch either, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, Speaking to a few people there, the message was he's not there because they don't want to detract from the main game team. It was a all about wing cup and lounge and the new VF and Red Bull itself and Casey will have his own launch in Adelaide the week before Cripsal so he's been you know conspicuous by his absence really and in sort of his brief V8 Supercar career so far we all know he hasn't been a fan of doing media and public events from his MotoGP days so I think that'll all be limited to you know the necessity so um It'll be interesting to see what sort of attention is paid on him in Adelaide as relative to the main game. You know, it could be a case of the second tier sort of matching the attention of the main game. Mm. I think we're all looking forward to the Dunlop series this year, Tom, because there's just so many cars there. We've seen numbers swell. Teams using their development series, well, their old main game car as a development series car to uh, find some extra revenue because they can make more money as having a driver program in it than they can by selling it off at the moment. Definitely, and um, I saw that today Chaz Mostert had his development series campaign confirmed, and uh, I think it's going to be a a really fierce battle between Nick Perkett and Chaz Mostert, and also uh, it'll be interesting to see some of the newer drivers that step up to the mark as well. Mm. Of course, a lot of really good equipment, Adrian, is going to make this series uh, a lot more interesting for the casual observer. Yeah, definitely. And I think there'll be more eyes than ever before on the Dunlop series because Casey is there. But obviously, there's a lot of other young talent coming through. And I think Chaz is probably in pole position at the moment in terms of favouritism. Nick Perkett hasn't sort of confirmed what he's doing this year. It seems unlikely that Walkinshaw is going to be running a Dunlop Series car, so he might have to find work elsewhere. So, And then, obviously, Scott McLaughlin and Scott Pye are up in the main game. So it's sort of... It, it could... Mostert could walk it, but there's always going to be young talent coming through, and um, fascinated to see where Stoner fits in and all that. And, of course, guys, we've got to remember that the critical thing is if you ever wanted the Dunlop Series to have a standalone round... Now you've got the perfect reason to, because Casey would drag you a crowd just on his own. Yeah, 
definitely cool. They've always, they've always, sorry, they've always, um, you know, they're against it at the moment because the advantages of being with the main game package are too great in terms of TV and crowd setup costs and, and everything like that. So, from what I understand, that's very unlikely. But I think there'll definitely be a lot more coverage of the Donald series this year as a result of Casey. Mm. Well, guys, uh, talking about uh, overseas interest, we do have to acknowledge Greg Murphy's great wins in the first round of the Super Tourers, and I guess we need to talk about that because of the number of the V8 supercar drivers that were there, Van Gisberg and McLaughlin trying to defend his championship. Of course, as you heard in the news, that ended in tears with a uh, first lap crash on lap number one of the first race. I think that's an oxymoron, a first lap crash on lap one. But anyway, uh, Tom, it, it was interesting to see just so many Australian drivers. Ash Walsh was over there and, and so on and so forth. I, I think it's a positive sign for the series that there is a, a, lot, of, a lot of interest from Australia, not just in New Zealand. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, I'm, I'm actually hoping that they follow a car of the future style program and have some new manufacturers come in soon because that'll really make that an interesting series. Mm. Adrian, it's a, all about economies of scale and New Zealand's economy is a lot smaller scale than Australia. It is, but that series is really growing and off the back of drivers like Murphy and Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin being over there and you know, what, two seasons now? They're in the second season. I think you know, it's showing great signs and Bit of a worry for this because that you have Murphy in that series and not over here in Australia, given his huge fan base. And you know, you just think what would have happened if Van Gisbergen had gone through, through on his promise and not and walked away from Van Supercars and just raced in the Super Tours. You would have had Van Gisbergen and Murphy race in New Zealand only, and that would have cost. Supercars, a whole chunk of their Kiwi audience. Mm. And, of course, uh, Murph has come out and said he wants to try and get a wildcard seat for Pukekohe, Tom. I think everyone in New Zealand, or certainly anyone promoting the race in New Zealand, would be trying to find a car for him. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest struggle with Car of the Future. The The possibilities for a wild card aren't quite there. So um, I did see rumours of... Oh, sorry, I did see that... Russell Ingalls supposed to have a new car fairly early in the year, which indicates that maybe HRT and, and Walkinshaw are going to try and put together a, a car in time, but whether that comes off or not is another story. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting times ahead. Looking forward to catching up with both of you over there at the Clipsal 500. Thanks for joining us here today on the V8 Insiders. Thank you. Thank you. White Flag Lap, brought to you by Fujitsu, is up next. And, of course, as I mentioned before, Charlie Swerkholt joins us for that one. I hope you stay with us. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. 
On this week's Fujitsu White Flag Lap, Charlie Swerkholt has moved his racing entitlement contract from Dick Johnson Racing to FPR, where he now owns his car and, of course, associated equipment. We caught up with Charlie to see how his first day in the new office was taking him. It's been two years in the making and, and uh, it will come together finally, which is great. Really excited. Got Gemworld on board, got Alex Davison in the car, who's got plenty of experience in uh, transaxle cars. Yeah, look, I'm quietly confident, not not saying too much out there, but yeah, if we can get a couple of podiums or, you know, we'll see where it goes. But look, I'm, he's got all the right tools, he's got a great car, he's got good engineer, good backing, good sponsors, the whole thing, and so yeah, no, we're quietly confident. It's not as... Not as if your ownership of V18 has got too bad a track record either. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's, it's a new home for me, which is really exciting. They've been great and welcomed me in, which is good. And, and so, yeah, no, it's thrilled to bits. It's, uh, it's great. Is there something that was missing over those two years whilst you were trying to get this deal together? <laughs> um, I, I, I went to most of the races still, see what's going on and sussed it all out and worked out where I want to put my licence and which team and all that sort of stuff. And... So, yeah, no, it's just watching in, watching in the background, learning more and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Is it like gambling, though? It's better to have a stake in the game? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to be back. No, it's really, really excited to be back. So, yeah, no, it's great. With all the new cars, with all the new infrastructure here, how, how one, difficult is it for everyone? And, two, how exciting does it make it when you're speaking to Tim and Rod and, and the other guys who own teams that you still talk to regularly, how excited are they about it or... Are, is it more trepidation about we spent this money and we need to get it back? Yeah, look, it's it's been tough for them. They, they've forked out so much money and all that sort of stuff, and and they're they're all excited to see the four cars at the test day at the right time and all that sort of stuff. And it's been a big challenge for them. But yeah, I think they're very excited and to have four cars there. It's good too. It's a big it's a big change for them having going from three to four and and partnerships and friends and the whole thing and lots of changes in FPR as you know and and so yeah I think they're pretty excited and they're they're pretty pleased the way things are going but time will tell on the track I guess. Outside of your garages though is the feeling the same? Yeah it is yeah no it it really is it's it's good really uh, yeah they're all happy. And what about Clipsal what's the realistic goal for Alex and the Gemworld car? Um, Look I'm I'll be conservative, but, you know, between five and seven or eight, somewhere around there, I think. Yeah, first time out. Alex has got to find his feet. The team's got to find everything, working all together and all that sort of stuff. Five, seven, eight, somewhere around there. It'd be great. It'd be a good result. And just keep building on it and building on it. And as you know, it's, you've got to be consistent. And so we just want to finish. And, you know, I might, uh, I might be lowballing it. You never know. What about at the end of the year? What's your goal for this team at the end of year one and moving forward? Early days, I'd, I'd, I'd like to... Uh, you asked me that question after Clips will be... I'll have a, a better idea, and, and I think the equipment's going to be fine, the team. I think there'll be a lot of catch-up for other cars. I, I think we'll come out quite quick, but the end of the year, yeah, I look at definitely in the top ten, but, uh, you know, seven or eight would be fantastic. I think you said that a couple of years ago. You finished one. Yeah, I know. Well, yes. But no, look... Who knows? It's it's no one knows what's going on out there. So, I, I uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. And yeah, ask me after Clipsal, and then ask me after mid mid year, and then then we'll see.
I'll hold you to that. No Thanks worries. very much. No worries. Thank you. My thanks to Adrian and Tom, also Charlie, as the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.